Hi, it's Lamont, creator of InsideThePassion.com. I'm excited to be here. Before we get rolling into the first episode of Brew called The Theme, I want to give a little shout out to my boy who has launched smart online accounting software with his brother, and they love to crunch numbers. So it is called Crunched, and you can find them at www.crunched.io. That's right, crunched.io, as in money coming in, money going out, money coming in, money going out. They love to crunch numbers so you could spend less time at your desk and more time doing what you love. And that's what we celebrate right here people doing what they love. So go check it out. You can see the link on the website, on the theme page, and also the Genesis page. Oh, yeah. Now let's roll into the theme. Thank you, Eric Nielsen, yeah, on that welcome. little ditty. You got a name for that yet? Little Ditty Works. Little Ditty Works. <laughs> I like it. Oh, just Little Ditty. That just, works. I like just Little Ditty Works. Yeah, I like Little Ditty little Works, ditty works too. Works. All little right. Ditty Works. What's wrong with that? We love it. We love it. Well, um, that was the song. When I heard that tune, it kind of uh, awakened something in me that kind of compelled me to do this podcast here. You've, you've talked about that, this tune, for a while, and I haven't heard it yet. So first time I heard it, so it was kind of like a little magic moment for me, actually. Because he's talked about it so much, and it was just like, he's like, wait till you hear it. You got to hear it. He's like, it's great. It's perfect. And I'm like, so. Cool. Thank I, you. I loved it. How long did it take you to come up with that? Not that long for the basic thing. It was a uh, uh, beautiful thing about technology today. On the iPhone, you have like the voice memo that, you know, to keep things. And mm-hmm. I finally started utilizing that because I was like hiking with my dog at Kakaponza and with my harmonica and I start playing stuff and you know you try and remember it a half hour later and you can't remember exactly the note you play so mm-hmm. now I pull out my phone and that one I liked and then I listen to it again and, and it just so it evolved just one day in an hour or two right on yeah and thank god I recorded it because I never would have remembered it <laughs> <laughs> well, well now, sh- now it's stuck now it's stuck <laughs> all right well, the, the podcast series is titled uh, Inside the Passion of Brew. And somehow or another, that tune, uh, what it, it kind of said to me, like, okay, this is 
the inside of the passion. Like the passion is the fire around it. And like this is the eye of the hurricane, so to uh, speak. And it's kind of this, uh, this almost uh, mournful kind of tune. When I think of when I was with the internet radio station doing my homebrew show. And one of the things that I really liked was like how passionate people were, like craft brewers were. Mm -hmm. And there was this moment where they decide to go commercial, where it's just a hobby to like, I'm gonna go there, which means they may have to work harder or give up their day jobs or partner. And this was that space, this was like that in-between space, right before they have to let something go to make the sacrifice to move forward. And, and anyway, so that's what that piece uh, cool. says to me. So right now, this is our, our debut. Number one. Episode number one. I'm even going to call it number one. I'm going to call it the theme. Because we're going to talk about the theme of the podcast series. And I've uh, enlisted my buddies here uh, to help me with the launch. So that was Eric um, on the heart. He owns a package store that uh, is on my rotation. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like uh, these are the people I go to when I, I need to know like what's hot, what's coming out, uh, what do they have. Uh, Nate Halley, who is in uh, charge of ordering all the beer at another local venue uh, on my rotation, is the man when it comes to brew. And then we have, uh, I don't know, diddly squat, about podcasts, but we have a resident expert, Kate Clark, who's gonna just, you know, she's gonna jump in when we and get the ship back on course when we get a little out of control. Yeah, we yeah. Roll glad to with, help. Yeah, and she's right gonna pitch in. And then we have Barry. If you hear uh, flashes in the background, Barry. camera shutters blaring, and Barry. he's gonna do kind of like a little uh, photo journalistic essay of this day book. Working his magic behind the screen. Oh yeah. Here we are. Can I guys. say cheers? Can I say cheers? Yes, this, say is, cheers. this is a cheers. This is a moment, everyone. As my friend would say Chinkalinka. Chinkalinka. Mmm. Just tastes so good. Mm-hmm. Now what's the puff? Puff is the resin from six point, but uh, they basically took the resin and they didn't filter it out, so it's unfiltered. Uh, right, and they right. did an extra dry hop on it. So the percentage is a little bit higher. I mean, this is an ass kicker to begin with. It's a nine, it's a 9.8%. Is that right. the cloudy it's the, one? It's a, yeah, it's a cloudy one, yep. Call the puff, it's, you know, May cloudy. I? Yeah, go for it. It's... So resin's up there now, call too, isn't that like... Resin is pretty much about the same thing. Resin's yeah. about 9.1. 9.5, depending on the batch. Wow, I could taste the cloud. Yeah, it puts me up there, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we got we got a nice little plethora here. We got a nice uh, sour jammer. Eric's drinking right here from uh, from Six Point as well. Nice. Uh, we got a sip of sunshine here. The Lawson family going strong. And then I, you know, it's, my, it's kind of a six-point night. Your head is crisp in your hand. Starting, uh, <laughs> this has been my my go-to, one of my go-tos, and the uh, the Calyptra, which you turned me the on Calyptra, to. The Calyptra, that's uh, Jack's Abbey. Yep, yeah. and that's another summer 
one. It's nice and light and crisp. and Just enough hops to... Just enough hops to get enough, you going. Yeah. And then I also brought, for my wind-up, speaking of hops, because when I started doing this, I wasn't like a hop head. My palate was, how do you say? Hmm. Coming of age? Yeah, I was still <laughs> kind of a virgin, so to speak, the with the hop thing. The hops are the hops are hot for sure. People love the hops. Oh yeah. yeah, people do love the hops. But then you have the hop heads, the burnout hop heads that yeah. just like destroy their palates. They just want more and more and more. But then uh, when I went on one of my brewery visits to Thimble Island, I had their what was it? Their Ghost, mm -hmm. which is a double IPA, and yeah, man, IPA. and that just opened up my palate. So that was a beautiful thing. Yeah, I like Thimble Island stuff. Yeah, they, they do a good job. I'm a big ghost fan. You are, right? Yep. Ghost is on tap. Ghost is next. Top shelf, off to the left. Oh, yeah? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do good. They uh, just released a lager, and I love the price point. They got a price. You doing the lager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It priced uh, six-pack, same as Budweiser. And it's local-made, beautiful, you know, summer crushable lager. You put them side-by-side side of somebody, and they'll, you know, even a Bud... Budweiser drinker might be like, I have to be like, I don't know about this because he's so conditioned to just drink one thing and just those taste buds are home to that one. Right. But they will be like, oh, I'll give it a try a lot of times, you know. So it is very tasty. Yeah. Always good stuff that surprises me. And when I, you know, first started exploring and discovering, everything was just an adventure. And uh, what I really appreciated about craft brewers is everything's on the table there's nothing that can't be done it's why you know there's an oh you, to be a purist you have to do it like this it's like you tell me i can't do something yeah. and that's just reason for me to try to experiment and explore in germany we don't pay attention to those laws anymore i know you know what <laughs> germany now is there's this whole thing about the craft brewers coming in and wanting to break like codes and do yeah. things differently yeah, yeah, yeah. that that are there. And I don't know what's going on with that. Inspired by Americans. Do, do you know you know where they are with that? Or no, I, don't I haven't know done any reading on that, so I don't have a clue. But I, I do know that it's happening. I don't know the outcome at all. Yeah, and I forget because Germany has this like strict, real strict rules about how you can do things yeah. or not. And this like young generation is up and coming there going, you know what? Maybe we don't want to abide by those right. rules. Yeah. And pretty much we Americans have kind of set the stage for that. But there's a lot of there's other companies of like uh European based that bring the recipes here to the American market. They don't even make it over there. They just the recipes are brought here and the contract brewed through two roads or Oma Gang. Or Oma Gang, right. or, you know, all these people that just have, you know, giant VAT systems where they can just pump it out. So, you know, they just sort of like, well, you know, see if America likes it and it just takes off with it too. And so it's a, you know, a Dutch company with uh, American beer. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, one of the things that I want to do is, I mean, I started the radio show because Connecticut was the more breweries in the past couple of years in the state of Connecticut than any other state in the country. So it was exciting to see, like, why? Like, what was happening? Like, what made Connecticut so special? Was it the water? And uh, that's where it begins. And pretty much the water had a lot of people coming here. But it was the sort of thing that, you know, it was catching fire. And everyone going into it understood that there was going to be this 
saturation in the marketplace and not everyone was going to make it, but still people were just like giving it their shot. So you're talking about people who are investing like, you know, a lot of time, a lot of money if they have it. Yep. You know, not everyone can like roll out like Stony Creek. It was They were like seriously capitalized. I mean, they came out of the box so strong. I mean, they did it right. Have you guys been down there well, yet? It's like they, they, they established it's themselves. Really nice. It's really nice. And then yeah. it took them a while to get some get some uh, headway yeah, their before first they beers that they released weren't good at all. No, they were, and they were brewing them out of Hooker Brewery up in Hartford. Right. Yeah. But as soon as they moved, they and they got yeah, their 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 beers are good now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They. But as soon as they moved, I mean, when I went down there and visited and talked to the GM, they had already hit five-year business plan in a year and a half. Yeah, the owner used to be one of the owners of uh, one of the biggest wholesalers in the state for like 30-something years, so he had plenty of, he had experience in the business, you know what would work, what wouldn't work. And right. That's almost essential if you want to start a brewery, especially one that size or bigger. Yeah. Like Two Roads, I mean, those, I think one of the guys out of Two Roads was, I remember who he was affiliated with, um, not Schaefer, but a, an older beer manufacturer. Gansett? What was it? Was it Narragansett? I don't think it was Narragansett either. No? Maybe like, it was, I want to say like PBR. Genesee or? One of those, one of those old timers. Okay. And he had some, some affiliation with that. And then, you know, him combined with a bunch of other his buddies who had capital and they, you know, and that business plan was just spot on. It is spot on. I mean, I know, I know people are taking like the two roads model or whatever. Model exactly, and they're 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 copying it through many other states. Going on, they're like it's just so so Perfect. smart, well thought through, and and the uh, the production that's going through it is is insanely perfect. Well, I see a Lawson sip of sunshine on the table, and they're they're brewing that Con- for contract me. brewing that. Yeah. So they're they're making money contract brewing to support all their other personal little fun endeavors exactly and then as yep. they grow bigger they take less contracts in so they're you know they build a facility that can handle the world and they're like growing into it and yeah spot on awesome. yeah it was kind of cool yeah. you know and like you said like connecticut is, is booming with breweries and it's just like they're popping up left and right and you know i know we've talked about this a lot lamont too about saturation right like what's, right. The, what's the point of like too much too much but the other thing about uh, that I notice is that it isn't necessarily too much because a lot of these breweries they don't distribute. You have to go to them, you know, and that's half the fun. That's half the excitement. You go to their tasting room and you enjoy that, and then because of that, it becomes a local platform. You know, not most of these breweries aren't two roads. Most of them aren't Stony Creek that have a pretty large getup. I mean, we have, uh, uh, like I said, Thimble Island. They're small. I mean, they self distribute. They, they drive their product to you with their own people. They don't go through uh, a giant distribution company, which is also awesome. They don't have to support some big conglomerate through the world, right? So it's like the whole undertow of movement of like, keep it local, keep people together, and keep the community strong. So, you know, I don't think there's necessarily an oversaturation of these brewers that are coming in and staking their claim, which is awesome. I just think that it it's just their little corner of the world and they're doing what they love and they just kind of keep doing it. Keep that passion alive. Right. And, and that's what, you know, that's what I'm about. I'm about more exploring, you know, the other guys, you know, the little mm-hmm. guys, the guys who who start from the roots of the earth and then they kind of grow up. So they, they've been home brewing on the front porch in their basement, yeah. you know, wherever. And then they take a little leap, which is little for like, Two Roads, Stony Creek, 
in comparison, but mm-hmm. it's a quantum leap for them. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, that's what I think us as Americans, we love variety. So there can, in my opinion, never be too many home brews or small craft breweries in an area because people want that. They want the variety. They want to be able to go and try different things. Yeah. I mean, definitely at the point of sale, you know, people come in and they want what's new. They want to know what's new. They want to have something different. They want to explore. But how viable is that if you're still holding a full-time job and uh, raising a family and doing this on the side? At what point do you say, uh, okay, I got to move into bottling or move into canning? Or at, at what point? Like You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see the, the progression of, of this of this show come on because you're gonna talk to these people and you're gonna get the answer because when I've met them they're like when they when they're beginning right and you go over the house and you're like hey Steve and they're like they're like freaking out their eyes are out of their sockets they're like you know what I just did and I'm like I don't have a clue what you just did and they're like taste this taste this I just made it and there's the, the like that passion is just like it just it washes over you like a wave and you're like what just hit me like what are these people doing and it's like sometimes you know you go over there a week later and they're like I just ordered all this stuff to to can and blah blah, blah. and you're like okay cool good for you like this is awesome right every little thing is just, so exciting to them oh yeah oh yeah you know well that's what is important about passion it's your driving force it's you love this so much that you are willing to sacrifice to make this work exactly and that's what little diddy works <laughs> was about the sacrifice was about knowing or getting to a place where you know that you need to make the sacrifice <laughs> you know what i mean that you need to let go and it's kind of like there's a morning but it's kind of like at the end of the tune it's released yeah. and it's like ready to move on to like you know the next tune yeah you know sort of well that was like well, a, you, a well, cleanser I told you, you were the one who uh who helped inspire that whole thing. We were talking about music one day and you're like, well, did you ever write anything of your own? And I'm like, uh, no, not really. But every <laughs> once in a while you get little, like little, little something in your head and like, why not compose it and try and make it a song, quote unquote. And uh, um, yeah, it's fun as heck. So it's it's been um, incredibly inspiring to uh, that little conversation we had that day. Awesome, and so it's so, kind of like what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've worked on, you know, actually worked on lyrics to go with it a little bit and stuff like that, which is not gonna happen tonight, so don't even- Oh, really? How'd you know I was gonna ask <laughs> oh, you? We're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna tease that right us like that? Oh. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> this boy ain't singing tonight. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, and so, um, yeah, you get that passion, you know, that it, feels good when you put something like that and then you share it with friends and they're like yeah they give you the thumbs up and they're like cool keep doing that stuff you know yeah well and that's so, the great thing about passion it's I, mean, I know with my own art i can't imagine not doing that right like you i mean yeah you could sell out and you know do what everyone else does and get that nine to five job but it's just incomprehensible to but to Kate, you're, i mean people. you're an artist and you've known you're an artist for how long? Um, I mean, my whole life. <laughs> there you go. But someone who's a home brewer, 
they're just starting out like, hey, cool, let's try this, let's try that. It's like it doesn't necessarily start with his passion, but they get to the same place. But it probably started with their passion for good beer. For drinking good beer. We're probably like, well, I can do this. Let me try that. I mean, I've done that with my own art. I'm interested in something. And I'm like, wait, I want to try this. And you try it. And you're just like, oh, my, I love this. This is awesome. And you just like fully dive headfirst into it. And don't come up for it. Yeah, your world is completely changed. Has any beer like rocked your world? It honestly, I did not like to drink beer until I turned. 24. And what was your indoctrination into Boulder Brew? What broke you in? Finally having good beer. Because, yeah, I went to... Do you remember what it was, like that first one? I have no idea. But, yeah, I went to school and... It wasn't Bush Light, right? (laughs) No, no, I think that's what turned me away was the Bush Light and the Natty Ice and all those... Do you remember where you were when you had it? It was probably New York or here. I'm not sure. That would be a no. That would be enough. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, it was probably like a, a lighter amber, maybe a half of ice, and you know, not quite hoppy. You know, mm-hmm. Definitely was not ready for that off the bat. What were you drinking before that? Wine? Mixed drinks. I was a very girly drinker. Like Cosmos? All vodka I think I like, yeah, vod- vodka tonic, lemon drops. You know, the more sugar, the better, which, oh, I cringe thinking about that now. <laughs> The more sugar, the better. <laughs> oh, now it's just right. like hangover in a glass. Yeah. And that's another thing. I've noticed that women are all about it now. I mean, when I go to different breweries, it's like 50% women, 50% men. I mean, and then the changes. You know, you get three generations, but there are a lot of uh, female hopheads out there. I mean, there are a lot of yeah. people Gone filming are the days growlers. of the cosmopolitan. Yeah, and there are people who never, enjoy, just like yourself, they never enjoyed uh, beer before. Yeah. yeah. I think someone who says they don't like beer is because they haven't had the right beer. Yet. Exactly. Yeah. I, that's, exactly. I think what kept me from entering into the world of beer is I just had, you know, college beer. Yeah. Right. I'm one of those guys where I'm like, you don't like beer? I'm like, there's the one out there for you. And I'm, not, I'm gonna keep coming at you till I find that one. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know, I enjoy that. You know, when someone's like, ew, ew, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I'm it is. <laughs> I have fun. one beer. There's a farmhouse opening, farmhouse brewery that's gonna be opening hopefully by August in East Hampton. This cat makes a brew that turns Chardonnay drinkers female Chardonnay drinkers into craft brew connoisseurs. Mm. And it is a jalapeno cream ale. Oh, that sounds amazing. And it has a body on it, like forget the jalapeno, the body and, and, and the creaminess and the carbonation on it is like perfectly balanced. So the structure is there. There you go. But also the nose, I mean, you could put your nose in it for five minutes before you even taste it because you get that that green jalapeno nose, that aroma that just, just shoots right up there. But the kicker is when you take a sip, it's smooth. There's no heat. Mm. Nice. You get jalapeno flavor, no heat? Jalapeno flavor, no heat because they take all the seeds and the ribs out. So you get that really strong nose 
And then what comes in, you're kind of expecting heat to either hit you on the front or the back or somewhere, but it never hits. The only thing that hits you is that creaminess and the structure in the body of the beer. And it's like, whoa. And when women have it, some put a lime in it. Hey, to each his or her own. <laughs> but it's just one of those beers that, that wins, that turns the corner for people who don't drink beer. It's kind of funny you say that because I went on vacation recently and I had a beer and I immediately called Eric up and I said, can you order this? And it was a mango habanero. That's from flying, out of Colorado, right? Flying Dog. Or Utah or someplace? Yeah, they're Flying Dog out of Colorado. Out of Colorado, yeah. yeah. So, and that, yeah. and that was just to me because it had a great flavor, but it also had that little heat that would come back at you, mm-hmm. which I love spice, so that was just perfect. But when I look, think of like Flying Dog, what I think is so special about all these brews too is just the artwork on the cans. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I love that. Flying <laughs> Dog or, or Black Hog, just yeah, the yeah, artwork yeah. on them is so incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you because there's also like a huge beer humor that goes along with it too. Where you're yeah. like, you read the can and you're like, what are they talking about? And it just makes you chuckle, you know. Yeah. Or, the, or the catchy names they come up with. Um, ninja I ninja love ninja. the names. Yeah. I gotta say, yeah. I love the names. Yeah. Well, I think that's why Stony Creek is doing so well. Their marketing is just so on point. Yeah. Once they switch their marketing, change yeah, the labels. The logo's and, uh, beautiful. Yeah. They, they keep with the theme they, with all the names. And the colors. The colors are beautiful. Are so as, yeah, vibrant. Visually, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. Because I'll admit it, as an artist, when I go to the beer section, Absolutely. I'm looking at what's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I, or even, I will admit it. Or just what catches your yeah, eye. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's really cool. People have been bu- buying wine like that for years. So. Yeah, right? I, I do that for yeah. wine, too. I'm it like, oh, I like thing. this label. Yeah. Hey, I can't go to the supermarket with my five-year-old daughter, man, when she, you know, we've been trying to, like, you know, she grew up on the health thing. Yeah. You know, fresh fruit in season, blah, blah. We go to the supermarket, and you see, like, the marketing, and they put it all in the front with the, the cereals and the bright colors, and immediately her eyes are drawn to them. And, you know, she wants to check them out, you know? Oh, yeah. And they stick, uh, you know, Dora Dora the Explorer on something or SpongeBob on something, but the colors are so vibrant and animated. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's where it begins. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're kind of trained. And even though I know this, I'm still, when I go into, like... Yeah, you still do it. I mean... I still do it. I There's... Yeah. So, you know, since you and Eric work in the industry, you know, when somebody walks in and you're like, this is a great beer, and they look at it and the colors are just mushy and they don't blend and they all look, every every label looks the same. Everyone's all like, I don't want that. Like, oh, here's a bright can. Each style of different, each style of the beer is a different color. And it's like, oh, it's just easy and you just grab it. Yeah, I, I noticed that a lot. Beauty of marketing that they're trying to evoke an emotion from the consumer. So when you look at the product, you are supposed to feel something, and that's why you're drawn to it. Oh, yeah. I go back and forth with the labels that I love. The ones we're talking about primarily right now, <clears throat> bright colored, draw your attention. But there's something about a really clean, classic label. Main Brewing. Main Brewing. Great, great example, actually. Sim- simplest of, of labels. It's just, I think it's just black and white. It's almost, it's almost like they just went to their computer and was like, "This is good enough." And, they, <laughs> and, they, and as though they're like, "Just let the beer speak for itself." And they print it out, slap it on there. But even now, you look at it, and the it's, only color on there is the name of the, like the main brewing company, all in black. Yeah. And the name Peeper, in green, and then they have another one called like Red Wheelbarrow in red. 
Everything else is just like a black text, you know, spaced yep. really appropriately, so it's really easy to read. Yep. That's and it looks wonderful. It's a beautiful label. It's it, just really clean, and it reminds me of like almost like uh, like going to IKEA. Yeah, you know, IKEA like it seems yeah, yeah. like like all their shelves and stuff. Everything has like the perfect place and stuff like that. This label is just perfectly, you know. There's not. It's the exact opposite of the, everything else. Because you, you look at a cooler and you go and you're like, oh, what am I going to have? Because they, they make bombers, right? So you're looking at the bombers is like flash, flash, flash. And then there's a like, row of like really simple and you're like, what's that? <laughs> it, it pulls you in a completely different way. And they don't make a bad beer. Oh, they don't make a bad beer at all. And that's the most important thing. I mean, yeah, I can be sucked in by the packaging and the colors. But when I taste it, 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 it has to be an extension of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's uh, Stony Creek has hit that, though, for me. It's pretty much I'm tasting whatever colors, whatever the artwork is. Well, if something comes up clean, it's got to taste clean. Yeah. Well, I, well, you're going, you're bouncing around to a bunch of these, like, new breweries and stuff like that. I've always thought that when you see, like, a really catchy label, something, if they're taking the time and the energy to make the packaging look good, they have to be taking the time and the energy to put good juice in the bottle or the can or whatever. Do you find that? Do you, I mean, do you see that? Do you get a sense of that when you're like really drawn to a package when you're visiting some of these new That's breweries? Good question. Or... Well, most of the breweries that I visit outside of like the big, huge ones, they don't bottle or package, so it's just the name. Right. It's just the name of it. Right. So well, okay, well, when you hear the name. the name of it, that's got to work. You know what I mean? I guess it, maybe it's part of the, like an evolution of the brewery too. Right, exactly. It's the evolution of it. So you already have like whatever the brewery's called and that's their identity. But it's what they name these beers that, you know, you don't have the visual thing, but you say, okay, it's called xyz i want to taste xyz I, you know you have an expectation of whatever your however you define what xyz is yeah. it just has to be compatible with that compatible so it's all about telling a story so when i go to places and i have them put flights together for me i know one beer that i'm going to have that i want and i'll tell the bartender okay build me a story around this beer like if i'm drinking four you can put the beer wherever you want to in the story, but this is the one I know that I want, and just tell me a story, you know, around this one beer. And they do a great job. They, like, you know, put together a flight that where the whole flight tells a story. So I can appreciate it. Well, so, I mean, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. You did. Really. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you're talking about a story, and, and you're talking about a place that doesn't bottle. Right, so it doesn't put it in a package, so you can't see it. But you go to these places, and I mean, there's still visualness to it. There's still tap handles that tell you a story. There's still something that's drawn you in. The artwork on the wall. I mean, oh sure. So, but I'm talking about it's not in. But where it ends is just the name of the beer. Like when you look at uh, pretty much everything here is the same, except the little color adjustments. But the type is the same, so the crisp really pops out. Mm -hmm. So. This could be on a generic can, silver that just says the crisp and nothing else, and I'm gonna and I better taste the crisp. Do you know what I mean? That's and, and look how how you know how bold and prominent it's placed, like right in the center. It's the first thing you see, 
And I love the sleekness of the cans. But once again, there's no canning. We don't have any of that stuff. Yeah. All we have is the crisp. That's kind of like my point. So the name really, it really jumps out at you first, really. Yeah, the name so really. So when they're, when they're like, um, uh, um, a rambling red, or whatever the name is, but that 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 name rambling red just comes at you, and you're like, I want that one, and it, it, you know, because you you know the style of beer it is, you know, you like that kind of style, and and the rest of it are like, you know, I'm too hoppy IPA or right or whatever exactly. whatever, whatever the names are, right? But and then so when you go there and you say, well, that I don't need that hot over hoppily beer, you know, I'm not because you're not a huge hop head. Right, and if you are a huge hop head, that too hoppy better be too hoppy. It <laughs> better be too hoppy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, because that's who you're talking to. Yeah. You know, you're not talking to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk coffee stout, you're talking to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I better taste like coffee and stout and richness and beer. And then whatever you name it, like, will tell me, will, you know, will tell me that story. Yeah. So when, when you go visit these places, are you going to... Um, are you going to sit down with them and like taste, you know, every beer as it goes along as you talk to them about their process and their story or, or, uh, well, I'm pretty open. I mean, the main thing that I want to do is kind of what we're doing here is, um, instead of having the formal radio station where, you know, it's a very professional environment, but people come in and, you know, they're a little, you know, they hold back a little bit. No one wants to, like, make an ass of themselves on air. So, uh, you know, they don't really let it rip. And, you know, the best stuff came after the mics were off. So I figure if I take my little uh, Nokia Lumia Icon tripod into someone's home where they're automatically comfortable and just pop it down, it's unobtrusive and you can just rap and I can get back to, like, the storytelling aspects of engagement in the art of conversation. You move my lava lamp to put that <laughs> thing in there. There was a lava <laughs> I could have put it on the lava lamp. That's the only piece that I think is missing from this room. I, I want a lava lamp. It was a, you should have one. I yeah. used to have don't, a lava don't lamp you need back a lava in the lamp day. Would be perfect here? I Absolutely. think, yes. I got a disco ball. You got a disco ball. I love I think the you disco need a ball. giant lava lamp. Not just any lava lamp. I think you need the big one. The, the four footer. Yeah. So when you walk in, it's like the fixture of the room almost. Where would you put it? <laughs> right where that tripod is. Dead center. Dead center. Uh, get out. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to see people. Right. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got that far. I just think it belongs up here. In it does. But I don't know where, because this is the show. So you would have to have it. Right there. Big one. Right there. Yeah. Right there? Yeah, right there. I'll figure it out. We'll For the people who can't see it, it's a good spot. Right. <laughs> yeah, for all y'all again, trust Nathan on that. It's a good spot. But anyway, yeah, so I'd rather go into uh, people's where they're comfortable and not necessarily, you know, at the breweries yeah, and just let people roll and tell me their stories. I mean, you know, there's one master craft brewer who started out, uh, he was a fireman. And, I mean, he once a fireman, always a fireman. He still is a fireman, but uh, now he's a full-time brewer. Just started out working slowly, a few hours here. Next thing you know, 
five years later, he's the man. So, I mean, there are all these great little stories behind the scenes, and yeah. and I love the stories. So hopefully, I, I'm, you know, I want to be in the trenches, like the big guys, the two roads, the stony creeks. I want, I want the other guys. Yeah, because they're, you know, the... Uh... The investment and the payback wasn't necessarily the first conversation of making their brewery, right? It was just the fact of saying, well, I just want to do this. Let's, how can we make it happen? Instead of, you know, being like, because I know Two Roads such a huge facility. It's like, right. what's my return? What's my, I'll put money into it, but what's my return, you know? Well, yeah. It's, it's big business, so they have, yeah. they have to yeah. do like that. But when we did that beer and wine festival at the fairgrounds this year, one of the best parts of it are there's a couple clubs that participate. So we have like breweries there, like Two Roads is there and Thimble Islands and Stony Creek. They're all there. And then we get some local clubs that... Like Stomp and Crush? Stomp and Crush was there. Um, yeah, I've had them uh, on the show. They're Middle good Middletown Mashers. I'm screwing yeah. up some of these names. Middletown um, Mashers. But those guys come. They have zero monetary gain by being at this festival. They're just there for the pure love and passion they have for brewing their beer. Yeah. And they probably want to share that and hopefully they get They do it. and it, it Which just makes, makes it, else happy. it shows. They're so yeah. into it. Because they're you know they're the it's all good it's it's all good that goes on up there. It's great having two rows and all those guys and then having these guys there as well. You see different you know, you see the business end of it a little bit. And not saying that the two roads guys and Thimble Islands and Sunday Creek guys aren't passionate, because they are. Wait, wait, don't throw Thimble in that group. Uh, yeah, Thimble's a small, but Thimble's yeah. small. it doesn't matter. Thimble's small ground up, but I, I understand what you're saying. Cause yeah, Thim- I, I guess I'm just talking beers that I do well with at the store. You know, uh, th- Thimble out, my Thimble beer outsells my uh, two roads. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. Because Thimble is ground up, the owner, parents, uh, ran a business, a bakery, and he learned pretty much from their business sense. And when I was visiting him, I was talking to him for a while, and uh, he just said, you know, you really need to be talking to this guy down there. And I looked down, and there was a guy sitting by himself at the end of the bar, and I went over and I started talking to him. And this cat was from a generation of... Uh, five generations of farmers and three brothers they all went away worked the farm went away went to college each like uh, specialized in something else he was the youngest they came back to all work and contribute to the family farm the family business okay and then the young one him his research shows you know there was a demand for hops and uh much stronger than the supply he was a farmer and this young kid is spearheading this entire movement in the state. I went to a workshop a couple of weeks ago and hung out with like all these farmers who are who are like exploring it is is you know viable economy and stuff. And this kid who's like a genius is spearheading it. And on top of that, he is a master home brewer. It's like the stuff he puts out, he doesn't like hops, so he moves completely in a different direction. And um, it's he's just excellent. And it brings together the things I love most. You know, farmers, 
beer. I'm digging like that whole scene and that whole movement. So a lot of cottage industries now, you know, from the success of, you know, the growth of of breweries, there there are a lot of cottage spinoff businesses. It takes like three to five years to get a crop going in hops. And that's if you don't get... are you gonna? Is stuff. this guy gonna be on the show? I want. I want to hear from this guy. This guy is gonna be my probably the second show after this. No kidding. Yeah, I'm following <clears throat> two. I'm gonna start like my next two shows after. He's going to uh, to the UK for a couple of weeks to learn what they've learned. And the thing from Connecticut is like we've learned from Vermont, New York State, and. Um, and the UK has been very successful. Michigan's been very successful at growing hops. So, well, it's the it's the latitude, right? We're, we're fall right on the like the line, right? Where hops are happiest. Well, we when people got off like the Mayflower and whatnot, one of the first things they did plant hops. Yeah. Beer, man. It was like they had their list of priorities. Yeah, man. Like, gotta make people it happy. Like, alcohol. Yeah, we it's like okay. What are, what are the first things that we need to plant? You know what I mean? Beer was up there, and then there was uh, something that came in that wiped it out. I'm gonna say in the 20s or 30s or 40s, somewhere in there, and uh, I think it was a mildew. So anyway, that wiped it out, and then you know. Tobacco stayed, but Connecticut was huge. I mean, this area was cranking out the hops. It was like hop kingdom. So the water's right, the soil's right. So even if you get hops from like the Northwest and you come in and you try to grow them here, they're going to taste differently because everything's everything's different. So you're not going to be able to get that same flavor. So, but then again, we'll be able to produce our own. Yeah. So the question is, it's uh, whether it's economically viable. And I spent a lot of time talking to farmers and looking at the equipment and, you know, discussing like risk and yield and, and um, well, did, it was pretty cool. What about, uh, did you, if you talked to him about that, uh, did they talk about any of the rights to any specific strain of hops? No. No, they don't get any to any of that? No, it's usually they sell... I'm forgetting all the the terminology, but um, a little plant or a piece of something that's sold, boom, and then that's what's owned, and then pieces of that are sold off to other people so they can grow it, but it's legitimate. So once you pay for it, it's yours. Those are the kind of stories I'm going to be doing. It's going to be, I'm going to be behind the scenes, inside the passion. And getting your hands dirty in the process, too. I'm going to be getting my hands dirty. Hell yeah. Getting high off the hops. (laughs) Uh, Getting some thorns in there. And so, yeah, so I went up to the Connecticut Agricultural Extension Center up in Windsor and Station Extension Center. And they've been testing all the different varieties of hops uh, to see what works well. And a lot of it has to do with what will do well in this soil, with this water, in this climate, kind of in concert with what the brewers want. Because well, there's no sense in growing something. Well, we have like Devil's Hop sell. Yard right down the corner here, which is you know was a huge hop growing yeah, place, hop which yard. is no longer anymore. You just hike it now, but 
the hop yard is there, and do we even know what hops they used? I mean, what, what, what were the hops that did thrive, or maybe Are they indigenous to this area? Or yeah, what? yeah. Well, these guys know that. I mean, they know the hops that did thrive here. But once again, the hops that did thrive here, if brewers don't want them. Yeah, that's true. Then they want their galaxy hops. If they, they want, want their lupin yeah, hops. Yeah, Citra. Want, if they want Citra, exactly. You've got to go I mean, with the demand. Do hops ever grow like in the wild? Yes, there are yeah. plenty of hops that are that grow wild in Connecticut. So not, not th- good for brewing. Oh no, they're all good. All you know, hops are good for brewing. All hops are good for brewing. Just not, not everyone wants. Uh, not everyone's a hop well, head. Which know, is not all grapes are good for making wine. So I just assume that some hops might not be good for. I I do know. There's only I heard this, and I'm not sure if it's true because I I love hops so much. Like I'm I'm a hop head. But I don't always want to get my like smashed every every night by drinking. That I was like I thought I could make like a hop tea. But I found out that if you just pluck hops and make a tea with it, it's actually not good for you. You can get sick. And there's like only a couple strands of hops you can actually did make you, a tea did with. You find this out before or after? <laughs> <laughs> he was like typing it. Why so sick? Hot tea. <laughs> I was lucky enough to do it before because I was I was I uh, I planted hops about six years ago, and uh, and we I planted with my friend and he was he was really into brewing. And I don't know what I'm doing with brewing. I just like to drink it so. I was like, I'll help you. I'll do whatever you want. So we planted hops, and I was helping him. And he made some amazing ciders, some of the best I've ever had. Anyways, and then we turned around, and then, you know, our friendship kind of dissipated. And then I went back to the place where we planted them, and it was like about three years ago. Uh, so it was actually maybe longer than six years. And my, my timetables are not the best. But anyways, I went back, and I think the plants were there for about five years when I saw them, and they were huge. I mean, we planted them to go up uh, uh, trestle. a trestle. Mm-hmm. It was just basically a giant piece of two-by-four in the ground that went up. But they grew around it, and they were huge. And they were so, there was so much hops in that. And I, I brought, I had a friend of mine who did brew, and I was like, I want to go check out these hops. And we sat there, and it was like, there were so many hops. We sat there for like three hours picking every hop off, and he ran off with them, and he was going to go make a beer. I never did get to try that batch, but... They they grew so happily, and no one did anything to them. They just sat there. They were in, like, the back corner of someone's yard. The house sold, and then we snuck back there, and we're like, look at this. And they, they just thrived. Much it's more. a weed, you know. All weeds like to thrive. I'm not sure if it's the hop strand that ever wanted. I don't remember the strand it was. But well, you that. get a lot of problem with mildew, which is, like, the number one enemy. And also, if you don't if you don't have really good irrigation in, in your soil, like, they love water, but they don't want to be sitting in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, you've got to have, like, it's got to be well irrigated. The water's got to be moving, but they love water. So, I mean, the conditions do have to be right. But, yeah, but once again, they do grow wild here. Yeah. So the, the conditions have to be right in Connecticut for hops. For hops. Well, I mean, that um, is it just Connecticut? Or, I mean, like, I, I, maybe maybe uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine are a little bit too high out of the realm for it to be... Because I do know that there's... Vermont has had success. Because if you... If you if and you, New York if you look at success. You look at the United States and you look at where most of the hops are, like you said, Michigan, and you just follow that line, right? Right, I'm sorry. 
if you follow that line right across, right right to all the way to the Midwest, to the West, that's where most of the hops are grown from. That's why you have like Oregon really like producing amazing shit. They grow so much right there. I mean, right down there. But also the Northwest quarter gets so much water. Yeah. And they get so much rain. It's so green. And you got to like bend Oregon. I mean, you got those places like, wow. Yeah. It's, Verdant and never gets that lush. Cool. Yeah. It never gets like they don't get any freeze. And I mean, it's just for to grow anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I mean, you can't beat it up there. Well, you you got to be a lot more on top of it. You got to water it a whole lot more. But yeah, the, you got to water the, it. The ground is fertile, and the conditions are fairly. You know, a lot. Uh, the conditions are just as good, but yeah. you got to put that extra effort. <laughs> so like I said, when people came over in the Mayflower, they didn't go to Oregon. No, <laughs> they didn't have to go. They didn't start out west they didn't get until that, that mildew. No. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, they didn't go. Oh, this ain't a good place to plant up. Let's keep going west till we find it. But what did drive them west was that whole mildew thing here. Whatever it was, mildew, bacteria, something that wiped everything out. That's when they started. People started moving west, hmm. and now they're moving back east because the water here is supposed to be. Amazing. Well, and that's probably why there's such a revolution of homebrews here right now, because the conditions are, are perfect. And beer is having its moment. Yeah, it is. Shining. It is. I mean, we can't get enough beer. We can't. No, we can't. You know, when, when somebody buys beer at my store and they say, good purchase, I said, it was it's a good rent. No, what I mean, I was like, you're just renting it. I was like, you're gonna consume it, and then it's all gone. You just yeah, and you'll be back tomorrow. You're gonna be back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that's interesting. So Thimble Island is doing well. I'm happy to hear that. I really like Thimble. Yeah, yeah, I really like Thimble. Yeah, we too. all like Thimble. Good guys. Really good take, guys. Take care of everyone that comes across them. You. If you're an outsider, you go there. They're gonna treat you like royalty, like they do everyone else. It's and you know the thing is when I was at Thimble. Out of all the, like, you know, not to diss any of the other people that I visited, you were all great, but they were talking about macro, what was happening, like, for the movement. They were thinking, like, outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. They were thinking, like, what's good for everyone? And what's really great is that, for the most part, there's this non-competition thing going with, with brewers. Everyone wants everyone to do really well and to do their best. And, like, the competition is good and it's healthy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. people, like, you know, they support each other. They run guest taps. They, you know... Well, they do collaborations. They do collaborations. Other brewers would be like, hey, you have a great beer and uh, we're thinking of doing this. And they're like, yeah, how about you? strand take it like here's a sample run with it you know yeah. it's like it's a community it's a community i and love that it's not well, and it's i mean great peter and is from from oregon right so if you can get great beers from connecticut it just helps every beer succeed and people look for it off the shelf that's a connecticut beer maybe i want one of those yeah so it it pays off to work like that right exactly but usually when you think of like so many opening yeah. up that there would be this level of, con and you know, it's there. There is a small kind of it all starts small. It all group starts stuff. when it's small. Yeah, as it's growing. <laughs> uh, but the guys who were there first, who were the purists, they're a little. They're like forming a little. Uh, you know, they want to. They have standards that they would like to be maintained because it's for the good of everyone. You know what I yeah, mean? They don't yeah. want anyone taking any yep. shortcuts. But that was the great thing about being a thimble and, the, and meeting my farmer is that 
that introduced me to like a whole nother level. They were like, boom! They were like looking at it like that. Like, okay, what's what's good for, what's gonna be good for everyone? Yeah. And that's yeah. how they're approaching it. So that's kind of cool. So I'm definitely gonna be bringing that in. I'm gonna be working a lot with the hop farmers. I'm gonna be following that. And in addition to, um, you know, just like individual uh, craft brewers' stories and storylines and yeah. the different places they are. So yeah, story, stories are the best part. I mean, like, why we do the things we do for the beer we love, right? I mean, that's just simply what it comes down yep, to. It's that's like, it. you're going out on the boat or you're going to have a, you're, you're going out to meet your family for something and you go to the store and you're like, well, what are we going to drink? You know, what are we going to have? And what's going to carry well with everyone else? You know, like, I'm not a, not everyone's a craft brew drinker, right? So, but everyone loves beer. So, but there's plenty of craft brew brews that carry to everyone else. And when everyone wants to get together and you can expand that and have, like Barry said here, like everyone's like, oh, that's a Connecticut beer, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel like the main message from all of this podcast and everything is you know, to all the craft brewers and home brewers out there, just keep doing your thing. Keep following your passion. Like, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. We want to know why you do what you do. What is this passion? Keep doing it. Keep following your dreams. And it's almost like they, they don't have a choice. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. they, when they get the bug and there's a guy who, uh, you know, he's got a full-time gig, two families going on, a lot of, he's got a lot of stuff in his life. And he came up to me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, you know, I think, I think I'm going to like join a brew club and a couple of guys and and I'm like, you know, well, I'd be really interested in that if you're starting up. Like, I'm interested in that. Like, what gets people started? He says, yeah, yeah. I think I wanted to, because he's a beer drinker. I think I can do it. And a couple other guys, it's like, you know, well, they've done it before. And, uh, and I'm like, well, why? I mean, you're a busy guy, man. you got a lot going on. Yeah, I know. I'm like, well, you know, why do you want to do it? And he says, it's the camadre, man. Just, yeah, it's like me, connect, and and that's when I was thinking, yeah, it's like life's about relationship, whether it's family or friends or lovers or uh, acquaintances or whatever. And this just happens to be like set around brew. But when I visited all those home brew clubs, it's, it's you know, a bunch of guys and, you know, a few ladies getting in there. And it's about this this common thing that they had. Yeah. That everyone was like expressing themselves through it, but it was like a connection. And you go to their Christmas parties and everyone brings in their brew and everyone shares it and everyone brings food in. And it's kind of like this is the core of what it's about. Yeah, you're sharing your passion, you're sharing the love. Right, you're sharing the love. You're feeling the love and then you're sharing the love. Yes. Cool. So, Lamont, have you brewed any of your own beers? Have you caught the bug yet? <laughs> No nah, man, not yet. Not for you. You'd rather go. No, no. I did. I said not yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> I got. You're just take, doing your research. There are guys out there that you know they keep keeping me happy. I don't need to do it because <laughs> I know who to go to to get happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, do you want to give us a tune out? Uh, yeah. Well, just do. The, just yeah. just do a little a little whatever you want to do, man. Yeah. Thank all y'all for being here. I don't know how much time we clocked in. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. I'm just happy to share. Perfect timing. I, I gotta relieve myself for a short. <laughs> <laughs>